moment A line always sweet when he is in danger His every movement decides Reward so good morning. My name is Bill Clark, and I am the host of the Scrambled Eggs and Ham podcast. I'm here today with my co-host, which is named, his name is Don Maxwell Wade. And our special, special guest, special guest is Alder Crocker. I'm the Alder. Hey, Alder. So how are you feeling today, Alder? I'm doing all right, thanks. Doing all right. Good, good. Uh, it's a good day so far. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. So um, I'm going to read a little bit about our what our podcast is. So the Scrambled Eggs and Ham podcast is a weekly or bi-weekly interview show focused on the reinvention of the lives of each interviewee as a result of or inspired by the life-changing illnesses that have now become part of our daily existence. So this morning we have Alder Crocker, who is a painter, and Alder um, I want you to talk a little bit about your story. I was reading, I was on your page this morning. There's so many different things that I, I was connecting with you, with you. Um, I was looking at the artistry shark, the accidental artist, the silver mine gallery, um, the Kessler foundation, so many different citations and, and honors you have on your page, Mr. Crocker. And last but not least, Vodka. You design a vodka label for a vodka for um, a distillery. Is that correct? Uh, I was fortunate that I had uh, have a friend who um, owns a distillery, and she had a show for me for about six weeks, and then uh, about six months later or so, after having a couple of other artists in there, uh, we created some uh, short run labels for her quote unquote award winning vodka. Uh, it's a wonderful place down in Norwalk called Soho 1420. And they ended up selling a whole bunch of bottles with one of my paintings as the, uh, graphic centerpiece of one of their labels. Wow. And it's, and it but, is, and it is gluten free, right? It is. Uh, it's great vodka and, uh, just terrific people. And, you know, I was very fortunate to, um, to, 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 you know, make that happen. Wow. It's a beautiful label that you created. Your art is absolutely incredible. But first, let's get to your story. Can you please share with us your story? Sure. Well, there's a lot to it. I don't but um, so I was in business. I was 54 at the time of my accident, and I headed up marketing for a technology company here in, uh, in Connecticut. And I went on vacation with my wife and a bunch of friends down to Mexico to Puerto Vallarta. And we were there for a day and a half, and in the morning we went ATVing and had a great time and then had lunch, went on the beach, and just chilled out for the afternoon. And around 4 o'clock, as it always is, skiing or swimming, it was the last swim of the day. And I used to be a big wave uh, body surfer, uh-huh. so the bigger the waves, the better. I used to you know, have fins in my trunk and a wetsuit, and you know, wherever there was bad weather or big waves uh, on the East Coast or, you know, Connecticut, Long Island, uh, Rhode Island, I would uh, I would jump in the car and uh, and go to it. Mm-hmm. So of course it was a flat calm day, and uh, it was a Tuesday, May fifteenth, and so it's about four o'clock, and my friends like, yeah, come on, we'll go for a last swim. I'm like, no, okay, what the heck, I love the water. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing sort of the old man's jog again. I'm 54 and I didn't feel old man, but um, <laughs> and, and you know, just sort of running into the ocean, you know, getting ready to just you know do a basic dive. Mm-hmm. And I'm in about 12 inches of water, and I must have hit or stepped onto um, a bit of a soft spot. Mm-hmm. Maybe where somebody had stepped a couple of minutes ago or a couple of seconds ago, and uh, my and I basically buckled. And so I stepped in. And I was like, "Whoa!" And I did a little trip. My uh, my left knee buckled, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, okay." And I was tripping, and I didn't want to, you know, put my arms out and splay and sort of fall on my face. So I thought I'd just do sort of the casual somersault roll off to my left side, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of roll on the, uh, you know, on the sand in the water. What I didn't realize then was that I was in the in the water, and so I was going a little bit slower than I had sort of in my head timed out, and I did a a, a curl over to my left. And I, you know, I buckled under, if you will, mm-hmm. and I didn't get far enough. Okay. And so, uh, you know, normally my head would have sort of wrapped around, but instead what it did is it 
smashed into the sand in the 12 inches of water, mm-hmm. and I snapped my neck like a twig. Oh, man. And I was immediately paralyzed. And I knew right away, um, because I you know, tried to move my legs, what happened is I had an explosion in my, uh, in my brain, if you will. Okay. And I saw black and orange and red and green. It sort of looked like a circuit board on fire. Uh-huh. And I think that may have been me visualizing my spine or spinal cord. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Um, all of a sudden, it was like, wow. And I was fortunate that I didn't black out right then. And I landed face down and in about 12 inches of water, give or take. And um, uh, I knew immediately that I was paralyzed. Mm. And um, a similar situation happened five years before with my brother-in-law, Anthony. Uh-huh. Uh, we were out in Long Island and he was swimming and he, he dove into a little bit of a berm. And he broke his neck also. Oh, no. Yeah. Thank goodness he was was walking nowadays. Um, He'd he'd camp on that. And, uh, but what I noticed was that um, he had had his mouth open and he'd swallowed a lot of seawater. So the first thing, I don't know, split second, is that I realized I didn't want to swallow all that water because I know what it did to his belly. It bloated it for a long time. It was very difficult for him uh-huh. to get over that aspect of his injury. And I pulled him out of the ocean and, you know, he got helicoptered out and all that. And uh, so I couldn't move my legs and I thought, oh, my God, I'm paralyzed. I didn't know how much. And I could feel my arms. and I, My fingers weren't really working then, but I could feel my arms. So I did a push-up. <gasps> took a big breath and then basically just floated there for about 15 or 20 seconds until uh, my then wife and a friend uh, looked around, came by and said, you know, he's not playing water, baby. What's he doing upside down? They pulled me out. And I was very fortunate that uh, there were a group of lifeguards on vacation, actually, and they came running down the, uh, the beach. I, of course, thought that everybody on the planet had heard the snapping in my neck just between my ears. Um, and so they came and they, you know, flipped me, uh, over and they got me on a board and they took me to the, uh, to the local clinic. And I have to give, uh, shots to my ex-wife that she really took care of everything and, uh, and nailed it. And basically all of our friends were around and she sent them off like scurrying, you know, like, uh, like ants to go, you know, call a doctor, mm-hmm. um, you know, American Express to see, you know, cause with a credit card, they, have some services uh-huh. and, um, you know, go check the hotel and the beach people and the police and whatever. And then 12 hours later, I thankfully was at the ICU in um, California at UCLA. Uh-huh. I was there for three weeks. And what happened ultimately was that uh, I'm now C6 complete uh, and C7 incomplete. I'm about 85% paralyzed. Mm-hmm. From my, uh, about my armpits or a little bit above that down. Mm-hmm. I have movement in my arms, but not in my fingers. Oh, man. The thing that kind of, I'm sure, brings us here today is that miraculously, uh, I hit my head so hard that I uncovered latent painting or creative ability and something called acquired savant syndrome. And it's only been diagnosed in about 35 or 40 people. Um, in the United States, and I'm sure there are a lot more out there that just haven't been diagnosed. Okay, uh, hold on, hold on one second, Alder. Can you explain to the audience, right? Because um, a lot of our listeners don't understand what that is and how that works. I'm sorry. The savant. So basically, I hit my head so hard uh, at a certain part of my brain that it stimulated and uncovered an area of creativity in my brain that is now, you know, available to me, but that wasn't before. Mm. Before the accident, I was a stick figure guy. I spent 20 years or so uh-huh. in marketing, mm-hmm. and I used to work with art directors and creative directors, and I headed up strategy and a bunch of stuff. And, um, you know, I would uh, have ideas, and I would, you know, draw them on a piece of paper, more stick figures, and they basically would say, you know, I can't unsee that. I'm, like, blinded now. Uh, don't ever do that again. Why don't you use your words? So I never really drew pictures or anything. I visualized a lot of stuff, but I had zero creative capability. When I say zero, I mean that essentially in third grade, my art teacher said, yeah, why don't you, you know, not do that? Why don't you go do something else like play? Don't, you know, art's not your thing. Okay. So that's kind of when I became, you know, for six months a class clown. I didn't know what else to do. Uh-huh. So that's uh, kind of um, that's the the genesis of the injury. Wow! Wow! That's an incredible story. 
Alder. Yeah. So that's how, uh, tell me a little, little bit about on your website, I was looking at something called the accidental artist. Is that what the gallery was about? The yeah. Theme? So I was very fortunate that, um, as soon as I, well, basically what happened was that I didn't know I had any artistic or creative ability until about six or eight weeks after the accident when I was at my, uh, therapy and rehab center, uh, Kessler Institute, mm-hmm. or Kessler Rehab down in New Jersey. Okay. And, uh, the art therapist came to me and said, okay, Alder, it's three o'clock. You know, I'd like you to do some art therapy. And I said, yeah, no, I'm good with that. Thanks very much. I don't do art and I don't need any chicken soup for the soul. I'm working on some other things. Mm-hmm. He said, no, no, I, I really want you to come by. And I said, thanks. I'm good. So he came by the next couple of days, the next week, and I kept pushing him off. Then he said, come on, just do it. You're not busy. And I thought, all right, well, I'm not busy and I'm just tooling around in my electric wheelchair. So, okay. So I, uh, he sat me down at a table. I was sitting in my chair. We got at the table, and he brought out some watercolors and a, and a pad. Uh-huh. And he put a, a brush with a rubber um, kind of grip around it so that I could you know, kind of hold it in my left hand and lefty. Okay. And he said, you know, start painting. And I said, I don't really want to. Oh, whoa. That's kind of cool. And so as soon as I put the paintbrush to the watercolor and then onto the paper, literally, it was a flood or a rush of colors and ideas. And I thought, I don't know what's going on, but this is really cool. Mm-hmm. And so then I just started to draw wow. um, or paint, excuse me. And I was moving in kind of a, a sideways S shape. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize it for about six months until somebody pointed it out when they were looking at that painting, which I've since given away to a friend of mine, that it resembled a wave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they said you must have been painting. The first thing that came to mind was that you were painting the ocean, um, where I'd had my accident, and that I, that I've been swimming since I was like two years old. Water was my thing, and I didn't really realize that. So all of a sudden, I was just painting like a maniac, and it was terrific. And I got this incredible rush. And then literally, when he took the brush out of my hand, oof, you know, I kind of stopped having these these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the day, they started coming back, and I I couldn't wait to paint anymore. Wow. And one of the things about um, acquired savant syndrome is that it's on the um, uh, uh, the uh, autistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. And there are some uh, some specialists around the country and around the world, I'm sure. And I dealt with a place called the Treffert Center, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Darnold Treffert mm-hmm. uh, in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And they told me that after I had been approved and stuck on the registry, that part of the um, analysis and approval for the registry is that um, for to be recognized, it is a compulsion to do whatever it is that um, you know results from the uh, the acquired Savant syndrome accident. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people get math, uh, mm-hmm. others get musical uh, inclinations, and I happen to have creativity. Mm-hmm. And they said that really we know that it's the case because you are so inclined and compulsive about painting every minute, every day. So mm-hmm. literally for the first year and a half, six hours a day, all I did was paint. Wow. I got a question for you. So uh, what, what what was your wife's name? Is it Erin? Your, your first uh, wife? My, my wife then was Erin, uh, yes. And that's the one that pulled you out? That found you? Yes. Wow, wow, yes. wow. Uh, Alder. Yes, um, you did a terrific job. Yes. Yes. I got... Yes, big ups, you know, definitely appreciate her. Don has a question for you. I have a question. Um, I noticed that a lot of your art has geometric shapes. Is that that part of the, um, part of the, I don't know how you to call it. I I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, Don. And it's actually not. Um, it's a great question, though. And I was only thinking about it within the last couple of weeks. Is that <laughs> within the since the accident four and a half years ago, I've had three phases of painting, mm-hmm. and I didn't really realize that they reflected my emotional uh, state of mind at that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree that for about the first year and a half, almost two, um, I experimented uh, with paints. Uh, dripping, painting, flinging like Pollock, um, all kinds of things, but it was all experimentation and trying to figure out, you know, how to understand this gift that I was, you know, miraculously, as I mentioned, given. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, I did all different types of styles. And that reflected literally the first almost two years of my life after the accident where I was you know, experiencing what my new life would be. And I was experimenting on all kinds of different levels with, you know, the care and eating and, you know, my new routines in the morning and night and with friends and family and what I could and couldn't do and, you know, how I got through the next five minutes, five hours, five days. And so it was really all experimentation. And I was fortunate to have a show showing some of my Pollock and other work and, uh, and it was pretty good. Yes, it is pretty good. And then the good. second phase was, um, uh, what I would call structured chaos mm-hmm. in that, uh, and very colorful and very joyful. So I had colors, you know, I was using lots of different colors for the first couple of years, but, you know, I was kind of understanding my new reality, if you will, which, uh, you know, is a phrase people are, are familiar with these days. And then uh, my wife said, you know, we wanted to move back uh, to a house that we'd been at before. Um, and all of a sudden I saw a great colorful future. Mm-hmm. And I was getting much more comfortable in my life uh-huh. and things were working out better. And I was, you know, more flexible and I was exercising and, you know, loving the fact that I was able to paint. And, and I thought right after my show, uh, COVID happened, mm-hmm. literally March of 2020. And so that's when we decided that we were going to move. And I thought, wow, there's some great opportunities in front of me, but there's a lot of confusion and chaos. So I have, there's a series called Hatters. Yeah. Like, uh, the Mad Hatter. Yes. And um, I've only got a few up on the site now, but there's some in the old section or, or in the about section. Yes. I, I, I want to comment on that because I'm looking, I was wondering about, you have um, Hatter's Return, you have um, Hatter's Island, you have Hatter's Passion. So these are reflection. You did these paintings, you named them. Um, hatters because of Mad Hatter, the Mad Hatter because of the pandemic? Yeah. Well, no, the Mad Hatter because, and this is kind of silly, but um, I started then uh, right after my show where I was flinging paint and doing the policy stuff. I said, you know, I, I, that's derivative. I need to do my own thing. If I'm going to be a painter, I want to be unique. I want to do my own style. Uh-huh. So it took me a couple of weeks. I started experimenting again. And then what I ended up doing was I put um, semi-gloss latex paint into squirt bottles. Okay. Like 12 ounce squirt bottles, um, like a ketchup bottle or mayonnaise, you know, that you get at like a hamburger place. Mm-hmm. And why I, I put it in there and I tilt it upside down and then I squeeze it with my hands because I can't really hold a brush that well. And so the first couple of things that I did, I said, wow, this looks like somebody did it on acid. The first thing that came to mind was, well, who's on acid? And that was the Mad Hatter or, you know, Allison and, uh, uh, you know, and, and and yeah, I thought. You know, actually, wasn't it? It was mercury poisoning, wasn't it? Mercury poisoning. It was mercury, yes. But I thought, you know, this looks like a dude's on acid, and I thought just Mad Hatter, mm-hmm. um, you know, with White Rabbit from Jefferson Airplane, <laughs> and I thought, yeah. well, I can't call it Mad Hatter something because that's you know stealing. But I'll just call it Hatters. And then I had a series of about I don't know fifteen or twenty paintings or so from Hatters Adventures mm-hmm. to. Uh, you know, I don't know, just a lot of them. Hatter's Inferno, Hatter's of, uh, you know, Retreat, oh, just a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was phase two. But what that was is was very colorful and very joyful because I was mm-hmm. in a great place, state of mind, moving, you know, to a different house. Mm-hmm. We did some innovations on that. It mm-hmm. felt like my life was coming together. Okay. And at one point, I actually wanted to start a clothing company. Mm. I'm using that, those designs on, um, you know, basically athletic wear, women's athleisure wear, I guess you'd call it, uh-huh. you know, bathing suits and, and, and uh, leggings and jogging shorts and all that kind of stuff and boots and whatever. Question, so question for you. Stuff, what what yeah, happened? Yeah. So what happened to that idea? Did you ever develop that or? Because you were um, in marketing I, at one point. I, I got divorced. Oh, man. So um, it was a joint company and... Um, uh, decided that because we were getting divorced that it needed to shut down. Only an operation for like a week, but I'd had all these designs done and, you know, I had a bunch of samples and I gave them away to some, a bunch of friends of mine and some other people and they mm-hmm. thought, wow, you should turn this into a company. Yeah. And so, um, Aaron had started something and then, you know, uh, uh, the decision to, 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 to part, mm-hmm. uh, came. And so we, uh, we shut it down, you know, basically just a, a short while after uh, it started. 
Well, hold on one second. Uh, Alder, hold on. Don has another question for you. Don, no, 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 I didn't. Yeah, I, I did have, I did not have another one. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So, just and uh, you know, I don't. Want, again, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm not boring people, but you know, the middle phase there, phase two, was basically um, chaos because my life was in chaos, moving to a new house renovating and an elevator and a whole bunch of stuff and doing construction and, mm-hmm. and what have you, but it was filled with joy. So my art was very colorful mm-hmm. and just kind of all over the place because that's kind of how my life was, but I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, the divorce came about uh, a little over a year ago and all of a sudden, uh, you know, my creativity sort of started to wax and wane a little bit. I did a little and didn't. Mm-hmm. And then about earlier this year, about, I don't know, January or February, give or take, um, when we were sort of getting into the throes of the divorce um, and I was getting ready to look at where I was going to move and what I was going to do, that I needed to structure my life in a much more functional sort of geometric way, if you will. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Know. I got a question yeah, for you. Did you yeah. ever paint Erwin? Your your first wife, was that your first ever, paint? Your wife? No, I I only do abstract. Mm-hmm. I can't do um, portraits or landscapes. I don't have the fine um, movements, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, again, stick figure guy, so I don't I don't have perception and depth and all of that. So, Alder, I seen a picture of you on your website, and he has a beautiful website. And I want to just describe something real quick. I'm looking. I was looking at, uh, like, you know, it's like. It's like a language. It reminds me of algebra or calculus. Uh, well, yeah, my, it's, it's crazy. My, it's my, great. My passions in life have been archaeology and things that are complex, mm-hmm. wave systems, uh, weather. I've always followed that. I've always loved that. Ancient languages, mm-hmm. um, you know, dead languages, if you will. I love Latin and Greek. Well, not mm-hmm. Greek is dead, but I mean, um, you know, Latin especially. And so... I've always been interested in archaeology and symbology. Mm-hmm. I always, communication was just one of those things for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've always thought that the origins of communication or visual communication um, and language to a different degree using alphabets, which in themselves are a symbol, have always been kind of forgotten. And, yeah, uh-huh. you know, we take it for granted now. And I always thought that was really cool about symbols and glyphs and pictograms and pictographs and all of that mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, alphabets were a very cool way to present an idea or a thought and that that's how people communicated certain concepts mm-hmm. um, when they weren't, you know, reading and, and, you know, thousands of years ago, not many people read. Right, right, so right. So I always thought that, that was really interesting. And so as I got into this more geometric uh, set of phase three that represented more of a structured approach to life for me. Mm-hmm. So as I was doing phase two, which was the chaotic aspect, it was just a lot going on. And I thought, right, this is, I have to move on from this. And my life is such that now I need to structure things so that mm-hmm. now I wanted things or, or my art to be presented in a much more structured, functional way that maybe had more meaning to people. Mm-hmm. So within the context of my phase two, the sort of the chaotic, joyful, colorful hatters world, I used to hide symbols and I would hide lots of alphabets in fact, uh, or letters. In fact, in all of my hatters paintings, I, um, A, I, I hid my initials as if they were symbols. I always put the date in there and then I always put the title in there. Mm-hmm. So in all of the ones that you're looking at, except for Hatter's Island, the the name of the painting, uh, without the Hatter's, but the you know return as an example, is written in either uh, Viking rune, uh, Assyrian, or Phoenician. Mm-hmm. And I chose those just because they're very visually interesting, um, you know, symbols or alphabets. Mm-hmm. And so you'd always know the provenance of uh, and the name of my painting. Okay. Okay, so I realized that one of the pictures, one of the video, I think there was a video on your website, you have a brush in your mouth. Do you use, do you paint with, and also I noticed that you use acrylics it's over oil, oil colors. Can you talk about that? Like, why acrylics and do you paint with a paintbrush in your mouth? I don't with a paintbrush in my mouth and I am blown away by the uh, the people with 
uh, disabilities that do that. I mean, that's whatever I do doesn't compare in the least to, to what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I don't, I, what I do is, is that when I transfer or I'm thinking or I'm doing something, I always put the paintbrush in my mouth so that I can move my arms to move the, uh, the frame of the canvas around. Mm-hmm. So I flat table. I don't have any triceps or biceps to, to speak of, uh-huh. maybe 10% of what I had originally. So I don't have the the ability or the strength to paint up and down on an easel for more than, say, two or three minutes. Mm. So I paint on a flat table. Okay. So moving um, uh, the cameras around, I always put the, uh, the paintbrush in my mouth or when I'm squirting out other paints or what have you. Mm-hmm. With regards to the acrylic versus oil, uh, acrylic just seemed to be the place that I wanted to start, and is that, for me is much more forgiving. Yes. If I make a mistake, which I do a lot, mm-hmm. I can paint right over it. Mm-hmm. Oil is much more difficult. And also at that point, I was looking to not spend a lot of money when I didn't know what I was doing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oil also, you know, health-wise, I think um, acrylic is safer than oils. You know, I've yes, used... Yes, absolutely. And yeah. I get it all over me. Like when I paint, I also paint myself. And I'm looking at my wheelchair right now. And my, my belt and my arms, or my armrests and my joystick and the controller completely covered in paint. Oh, I'm man. I'm wearing a, uh, a poncho, if you will, right now that is completely covered in paint. And so whenever I paint, I literally get it all over my arms and my face. Wow. So you, you've heard of Chuck Close then? Oh, I have, yes. Have you, you, have you ever had an opportunity to meet with him? I haven't, sadly. I didn't have a chance to meet with him before he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very um, impressed with all of the work that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then especially when he got into the wheelchair and was able to still continue to um, direct or do, uh, you know, the painting himself. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, I mean, that work is incredible. Wow. Talk, talk a little bit. If I might, mm-hmm. uh, something that I find very interesting is that um, you are the the way you phrase things is very very interesting. Is all I can think of, but um, archaic. No, you know, it, it's <laughs> archaic is not the word. Um, very uh, poetic. Not, um, mm-hmm. Right. Like it, you uh, call, you have. Visual adventures inspired by the origins of communication. I was like, huh, that's very interesting. You know, it, it was easy to fo- it's easy to follow when you phrase it that way. Mm. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me, Don. Yeah, mm. yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's you know, visual adventures. Um, I was never um, in the art world before the accident. Uh, my family loved art and going to museums and I went every now and then and I enjoyed it, but I was never an art history major or anything of that nature. I knew 1%, you know, as little as basically the next person. Mm-hmm. Appreciated it, but never really understood it mm-hmm. and never took the time to understand it. And what, one of the things that I always noticed about um, abstract paintings was that when you went to a museum or a gallery, you'd see people looking at the painting, and then they would turn their head, you know, sideways to look at it sort of, you know, they turn it to the right or to the left to see it from a different perspective. And I've always thought that abstract art should be uh, presented in the way that the person is viewing it most enjoys it, such that um, all of my paintings, when I paint on a table, um, I paint what's in front of me the basically the 25 percent of the canvas that's in front of me and then i spin it 90 degrees and then i paint that 25 percent spin it 90 degrees etc and uh, the interesting thing is that uh when you uh, see a painting from you know one perspective let's say you know at zero degrees or whatever straight in front of you vertical it looks one way but if you turn it 90 degrees the painting will look very much different then you turn it another 90 degrees upside down from the original position and it literally looks like a completely different painting. And what I've always thought is that abstract art should be enjoyed m- more times than say two or three times. I'm not a fan of wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And so I see a lot of paintings and I walk by them and literally the third or fourth time, I don't look at them after that. So what I always wanted was for people to look at my art, my paintings and look and think, 
wow, you know, I didn't see that last time. <clears throat> Every time that they go by them for them to see something new. And then once they had seen basically everything in that format, then they turn it 90 or 180 degrees and they'll see completely different designs and glyphs and symbols and things that are, you know, that, that, that attracts their eye. Wow. Wow. So, you know what? Your paintings are magnificent. Um, when I look at, when I view, when I view your paintings, I don't get, they make me happy. The colors that you use, your color palette and the design and the symbols, it all work together for me. And when I look at them, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's about hope. It's about poetry. Like, like Don said, it's about life, you know, what happened. And I see a lot of different things. I see music, man. I see the ocean. I see yeah. a, a lot of visual yeah, communications absolutely. there. That's great. You know, so it makes me happy. And I want you to talk a little bit about your experience with Kessler, uh, the muscle memory program they have with spinal cord injuries and things of that nature. Talk a little bit about that for us. Oh, it was amazing. Kessler, I, I mean, I, I don't, uh, there are not, a, not enough words to say how amazing uh, Kessler has been to me mm-hmm. and what they continue to do for me. Um Basically, when I got there, uh, they were very matter of fact and they said, uh, you know, they, I, I said, listen, I don't want you to gloss the future over and a maybe and a couldn't and this. What's my state of, um, of, uh, of injury and what can I look forward to in the future? And they gave me, you know, their straightforward opinion and they said, we're going to work our, um, our tails off to help you get as flexible and as functional as possible. But as it stands right now, you know, your spinal cord is severed at C6, and the chances of, you know, them reigniting, if you will, um, are low at best. Mm-hmm. And so that was great for me because that's what I wanted. Um, I didn't want a, you know, a fake or, an, or you know, a ghost carrot uh, put in front of me mm-hmm. um, that all of a sudden one day I would have, you know, massive uh, depression thinking, well, I didn't achieve that, so now what? So they were very straightforward with me, and their programs are incredibly structured Uh um and they work you know little by little uh, but they really i mean i I was every single session whether or not it was ot um um, occupational therapy or pt physical therapy i literally was sweating Uh because they were pushing me as hard as i could go and then they would you know they'd back off and then they'd push me again and it was great the uh, the therapists and the doctors and the sporting staff could not have been nicer. Mm-hmm. Could not have been nicer, and more interested in getting me to where I wanted to go, um, as much as they were interested in where they wanted to or they hoped to get me. Mm-hmm. So I am a, a huge supporter and a proponent of Kessler. Mention it to anybody and everybody that'll listen, mm-hmm. uh, because they've always been there for me. Right, uh, but their occupational therapy was great. Mm-hmm. Helped me do things that I had no idea that I could do, and I still practice them to this day. Mm-hmm. As well as physical therapy, I still use a range of the exercises that they taught me uh, on an everyday basis. Well, you know, I am also a product of Kessler, um, West Orange, New Jersey. Um, I went there after I had my stroke. You know, it's like you said, it's a phenomenal place to go. It's absolutely, I recommend Kessler to anybody who's. Um, um, struggling or had some uh, major event in their life like you or me or Don. Um, Don is um, um, an MS survivor and I'm a stroke survivor. So, you know, we, we know about Kessler and we know that they can help us get everything back in perspective and everything in the right, in the right place. I got a question for you. Another question for you about like, you know, in our community, um, how do you get yourself out of a slump or let's say a rut? And we're humans and we know that, you know, every day is another challenge for us in our community. Even if we didn't have this thing, this event in our lives, if we didn't have a spinal cord injury or stroke or MS, how do you get yourself out of a rough, a rut? Oh, that's a great question, Bill. Great question. And there are a couple of different ways. Um, the first, if I may, is that I'm sort of going to fuzz this story up a little bit, but my father, um, was a, uh, a strong stoic person. He was a Marine drill instructor mm-hmm. and, uh, instilled in us that, uh, in that my sister and I that, uh, you know, life is what you make of it. And he once, 
Well, I won't bore you with the story, but he once did something that made me think, wow, okay, if you can be that strong, then I need to try to be as good as you, you know, the son trying to be like the father. Uh-huh. And so it showed incredible strength as well as mental strength, physical and mental strength. And so I, um, right after the accident, I used to go out, uh, a couple of the therapists would say, you know, come on, let's talk about it. And as I said before, no chicken soup for me, thanks. I'm going to deal with this myself. Mm-hmm. They said, well, that's not healthy. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to try to do. So the first thing I did was, is I'd go out every afternoon after my therapy at Kessler, uh-huh. and I would go outside and I would look, you know, into the forest, if you will, mm-hmm. and I would tell myself all the things in the world that I was never going to do again. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to walk upstairs. I'm not going to jog. I'm not going to do a lot of things. I'm not going to swim again. And then a couple of weeks after that, it was, you know, I don't like uh, walking upstairs anyway. Mm-hmm. Who likes jogging? I hate exercise. And all of a sudden, the reason I was doing this was because I needed to have the force of reality in my face. Mm-hmm. Because I needed to know what the bottom was before I could understand where the light was at the top. Okay. So that doesn't answer your question, but that's sort of the mentality going in there. Mm-hmm. So as I was there, I guess about four weeks in, I hit a, a, um, a real, you know, dark spot. Mm-hmm. And I went to the therapist there and I said, Again, no chicken soup, but what you have, you know, the, like these things happen to me on a daily basis and I, I need, I need a, a way to get, um, around them. I need a way to, you know, get past them. Mm-hmm. And this wonderful lady said, here are two words that she suggests to, um, her patients. And I have been using them five times a day ever since. And I tell everybody who will listen, the two words are very simple. It's, for now, F-O-R-N-O-W, mm-hmm. for now, meaning that whatever it is other than the long-term effects of our injuries, whatever you're going through on a day-to-day basis is just for now. Mm-hmm. Everything is temporal. Mm-hmm. If you're having a problem with your aid, it's it's going to be over. One of these days, it's going to, you're going to be past it. Mm-hmm. If you are having problems, you know, medically that, uh, or you have a cold or something, mm-hmm. it's just for now. If you're having problems with your family, it's just for now. Mm-hmm. And so for now, for me, it is, was a seminal moment, really cathartic, um, for how I approach every day and every, mm-hmm. you know, down situation, mm-hmm. um, to the degree that I realized that, okay, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that this too shall pass, five minutes, five hours, five days, but there, there is an end in sight where mm-hmm. it enables me to realize that, okay, I can't get so upset about what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get out of this. If I'm in a black, depressive state and I'm feeling, you know, everything that you can imagine, and I think we all understand when you're in like those black, depressive states, you're mm-hmm. contemplating everything. Right. No matter what you're doing, when you're thinking about that, realize that this feeling that you're going through, this depression, this black period, will pass right somehow there will be light and you know it could happen again five minutes five hours five days but it will be it will pass right yeah that's that's one of the ways i've got others if you're interested but i mean that's the primary one yeah you know when i get into that state i chant nam myoho ringe kyo yeah that's what i do i've been doing that for about 30 now it's 36 years nice yeah nice and that helps you get out of it yeah yeah have you ever heard of it I've, I've heard of it. I don't know it, but I've heard somebody's mentioned it to me before about, I'd say two or two and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. But I do paint too sometimes. You know, when I came, when I was in Kessler, I painted, you know, I actually, I have a BA and BFA in art. So, you know, I did some painting earlier, earlier, earlier in my life. I did a lot of paintings. My sister was an artist. One of my sisters was an opera singer. So I was always oh, around, God. I was always around the arts, you know, coming up, I, yep. you know, I was always into the arts and do, doing some form of art of expression, something like that. And I still do it not as much as I used to. Um, now that I am retired, I, I got more time to do things of that nature. But, you know, your art is absolutely, um, like I said before, it's inspirational. It makes me happy when I look at it, man. I got to talk to you more about that. Um, talk to you about, um, that's my hope. Mm-hmm. That's my hope, right? You know, I want people to, um, look at the art and think, wow, that's cool. I've never seen something like that before. And it makes me smile. Yes. You know, it doesn't have to make me think deeply. You know, people have asked me, not a lot, but enough have said, Alder, 
you know, great artists, they channel the, the anger, the frustration, the, 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 the dark periods in their life, you know, the despair, the fear, all of that. They channel that, you know, to, to really get them into this, you know, amazing pieces, these amazing pieces that they create. You know, do you do that? And the first thing I say is absolutely not. Right. I, I live, <laughs> right. I live that. I don't want to go through that again. Right. No. You know, it was dark for a long time. Now I want to see the light and the joy and the colors. And that's in the past. No way. Yeah. So what I try to do is I want people to look at this and think, wow, this dude, you know, he's, he's kind of on the happy side. And if he can be, you know, this is not what I, I shoot for, but it would be great if people thought this. Listen, he's had his injury. If he, you know, can have this kind of joy at certain moments in his life, well, then, you know, maybe there's hope for me also. Right, right. That's what I, that's, that's my, wouldn't it be great if wish. Hey, you know what you've done? You have turned this um, event in your life, this, you broke your neck. You've turned that into a sense of mission to make people happy. Your art makes us yep. happy. You know, so you, yep. your mission is incredible, man. Like it's nam myoho renge kyo. You know, you're, you're, you're painting it. You're using hieroglyphics. You're using symbolism. You're using um, a lot of different um, mathematical things I see in your art. It, it, it's Your art is nam myoho renge kyo for me, you know. It's definitely very is. Cool. Very cool. You know? Well, thank you, man. That that means a lot. I think Don has another question. Yeah, Don, what's up? Uh, I'm sorry. I I, I made. A, I was just so green. Well, thank yeah, you. I was, yeah, I was that, means green. that means a lot. And I I hope you enjoy it. And um, you know, it's it's uh it's a passion, mm -hmm. right? So um, I continue to do it, and and I. Uh, you know, looking for, I guess, as I mentioned before, which I only realized the last couple of weeks, it's reflective of my mindset and sort of the transition periods that I go through. And mm -hmm. I never yeah. thought that before. I never thought that before. And then, you know, my hope is that I'm still going to take this, you know, these glyphs, these squares, and turn them into other shapes and, uh, and sizes, uh, but still maintain um, sort of the playfulness of it. Uh, really, it's all about the joy, and it's not just my joy. It's hoping that other people will find, you know, if if somebody can look at one of my paintings and have 15 seconds uh, of a break from the daily grind that they go through, well, then I'm a happy guy. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I thought your explanation just now of not uh, trying to paint from a dark place was awesome. Uh, that uh, I thought that might be where you you were going, and you said exactly what I thought was a um, a very inspirational thing. Oh, thank you, Don. That's awesome. Thank you. So, um, one more question for you. What, yeah. How, like, how do you? When do you start your day? Like, you you have a studio in your 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 new digs, right? Your new apartment, your new home. You have a studio there. It's like. How's your day start for you, man? Like you get up, you get a cup of coffee, you um, well, you take the, the dog for a walk. Is, oh, I wish my studio is uh, um, uh, is my living room. Basically, I have a uh, kind of an L shape, uh, two tables that that form an L shape to help me, uh, you know, sort of hold all of my paints and then the canvases. But in the morning, um, I wake up, you know, around seven thirty or eight. I guess seven seven thirty. And then I have an aide who shows up at eight. And then, you know, we do all the bathing and stuff like that. And then I'm out by uh, late morning. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, if it's nice weather, uh, you know, I try to tool around the neighborhood. Oh, I'm in an apartment now. I used to live in a house in a neighborhood and property and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, not vast property, just, you know, a house on a, on a piece of property. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I tool around the neighborhood and just sort of drive around and say hello to the kids and my friends and whoever mm -hmm. it is. Uh, you know, once or twice a day. Now it's a little different because I'm in an apartment building and uh, it's a little bit more claustrophobic. I'm not going to lie, mm -hmm. um, but because I'm used to, you know, a bigger area. Mm -hmm. um, and so now I, even though it's going to starting to get cold, I still try to go outside every day for at least, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes every couple of hours just to drive around the building or drive around the parking lot or mm -hmm. drive up and down the sidewalk mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Just to get outside. Right. The feeling is that is that, and I've been. This is you know very unofficial analysis, but 
who talked with a lot of people uh, at Kessler and at Gaylord, which is the place in Connecticut that I go to for secondary uh, rehab because I live in Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, is that uh, people with spinal cord injuries or in wheelchairs, uh, primarily quadriplegics, but other as well, other disabled people, probably about 80% of us slash them spend their times indoors. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a bummer because, yeah. you know, life happens outdoors. Mm-hmm. But we're scared. We're, uh, you know, concerned about other people. We're concerned about ourselves, safety. We don't want to have fingers pointed at us. Although, in general, people are very, very nice that I've seen, at least to me and some other people. Um, but we spend a lot of time indoors. And so I do everything I can to get out there because life doesn't happen indoors. Right. Alder. What can you share with us about relationships? Because we talked about that when I called you. Do you want to share something with us about relationships or is that another podcast? That might be another podcast, but I'll just say this one thing is that, uh, again, I got divorced. So what do I know about relationships? Although she was a terrific, is a terrific woman. Mm-hmm. Um, relationships with my friends, um, it's difficult because Uh, As with anybody who has a friend who's quote-unquote sick or not well or whatever it might be, your friends don't want to reach out to you because they don't want to bother you. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to reach out to your friends all the time because you don't want to bother them because they quote-unquote have a full life going. Mm -hmm. Forget that. that. Smash that window. Your friends want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. One of my best buddies told me about a little less than a year ago, he said, Alder, friendship is not a burden. And so don't make friendship a burden. Go out, text people, call them, you know, just ping them and say, hey, was thinking about you. And they will come back at you. And then all of a sudden, you'll have many more contacts, communications, you know, uh, events that, you know, don't basically require you to watch TV, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you just have to tell your friends and family members, hey, you know what? I'd really appreciate it if you reached out more often or if we spoke more often or if we saw each other. Wow. And that, it, took me, it took me about two years plus to really understand that. And I'm still working through that with, with friends and family. But it, the, the rewards have been amazing so far. Wow. I think that's some great advice, man. That's some that's really great advice. Great advice. Definitely, man. And listen, listen, listen. Um, we're going to talk again. And is it okay? I am... Is, um, is it okay to put your how people can contact you on my site? Is that okay? Okay. All right. Listen, one last thing. I'm sorry. Is that I'm a, a peer mentor through the Spinal Cord Association mm-hmm. or United Spinal, excuse me. Um, and uh, you know, there are a couple of people that I uh, mentor, if you will, but now they become friends and I chit chat with. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, open and available if people want. Uh, to talk or if they've got questions, um, because if I can give back uh, in the ways that people have given to me, then that's just the right thing to do. Um, so mm-hmm. the answer is yes, that would be not a problem at all. Wow, that's great. That is absolutely wonderful. All the, you know, you're so encouraging, man. Your art is inspirationally, you know, it's fun. It's, it's like, absolutely. You got to see his, for the listeners, you got to see his art. It's, like I said, it just makes you smile. You know, and um, we're going to end this. Well, the pod- website's easy to find, so that's great. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's definitely not not hard for us in this community to find your work. You know, um, and I recommend it. Definitely recommend finding out about this artist. And you've heard his story, um, but you need to take a look at his art. I think it's phenomenal. Um, I think you know um, a savant. You know his explanation of having this. Um, you know, uh, I call it like. Um, like a Superman or like, you know, like a Superman or like a superpower. It's a superpower, something, you know, it sounds, it looks like to me, like you have a superpower now, man, you know, and, um, well, I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. Yes, you are. Definitely. We we are definitely fortunate. You are definitely fortunate. I'm glad you're here with us. Am am I allowed to mention the website or should we hold off on that? No, mention, go ahead, shoot. I, I, you know, we're just mentioning that, you know, if, if people want to go check it out, and see my random story. It's aldercrocker.com. A-L-D-E-R. Crocker, C-R-O-C-K-E-R.com. Aldercrocker.com. Whatever. Um, 
But, you know, uh, if you check it out, you know, send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Yes. I'm pretty sure it will be sending you a lot of emails. Well, listen. Listen, Alder, thank you so much for spending the time with us this morning, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, my God. This was my pleasure. Absolutely. No, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And Don, thank you. Don Wade, thank you so much for spending your time again on the Scramble Eggs and Ham podcast. My name is Bill Clark. I am the host of the Scramble Eggs, and Don is the... I guess today... um. Me and Don was the scramble eggs, and Alder, you were the ham. Um, <laughs> you know. So listen, you know. Thank you so much. I'm ending the show. Thank you for joining us today. My sincere prayers are for your health and your happiness, and that you live out your lives to the fullest. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Alder Crocker, for your magnificent explanation of uh, a Savanti, and you know, talking about your work, which is absolutely inspirational. And Don, thank you for your support. As always, thank you for coming on with me this morning. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Listen, have a victorious, victorious, victorious week. And I will talk to you again soon. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. You guys rock. And I appreciate getting to know you. And I look forward to more. You're very welcome. Until that death of life.